0: Thanks for tuning in to this week's sermon from Oak Hill Church in Humboldt, Iowa. We pray that it helps you to know Christ, grow in Christ, and sow Christ wherever you are. For more information about who we are and what we're doing, go to oakhillhumboldt.org. If you're new with us, we are in a series called uh, Saints Together. I love the chorus of that song that we sang. We are saints together following Jesus, only Jesus to the end, all the way to the end. The Christian life is often pictured as a race. But interesting to note, in every New Testament occurrence, very little is mentioned of the start of the race. The biblical writers focus on Enduring the race and crossing the finish line. So Philippians 3.14, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Hebrews 12.1 and 2, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders In the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with endurance the race that's marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, 7 and 8, Paul at the end of his life says, I fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished the race. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness that the Lord will give to me on that day, not only to me, but to all who have loved his appearing. And we just saw this verse last week. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way as to receive the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. And So the, the Christian life is, is a race, and we must endure. And cross that finish line at the end. And it makes me think of Bryce Goodell, Ryan and Heidi's daughter. Um, Go ahead and show that picture of her. Uh, Bryce, as many of you know, is one of the top runners in the state of Iowa in cross country. And so I asked her a few questions this week over email. and, And just about her running and how it parallels our lives as Christians. And so one of the first questions I asked her was this. What's your mindset? What's your mindset at the start of the race? And here's what she said. Cross-country, go ahead and show the first picture there of her racing, uh, starting off in the starting blocks there. Cross-country makes for a long race. So when starting, it's important to not go out too fast or you'll run out of gas quickly, yet fast enough to get yourself in a good position. And I thought about that. That's true for us as well in our race as Christians. Some of us, we've gotten off to a fast start. There are many of you who have come to Oak Hill, having heard the gospel of Jesus Christ named Crucified, Risen, and you've repented of your sins and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you were excited to follow Jesus in baptism. And then you you were so excited to serve and to get involved and to begin to learn and to share your faith with other people, and yet you've probably come to the point where you realize the Christian life is a long race. It's a long race. And now it might feel like you're running out of gas. And you're not sure if you can finish. I don't know about you, but uh, I get more excited about starting something than I do finishing something. It's uh, a lot easier for me to, to get pumped up about all the possibilities in front of me as I begin Whatever it is, there's a lot of optimism and motivation and anticipation to begin something new. But let's face it, uh, starting is, is easy, right? Starting something is easy. Finishing, however, is another story. Ironically, I picked up a book a few weeks ago, and I just tore through this book, the first few chapters anyway. Uh, the book is called Finish. And I'm having a hard time finishing this book. Uh, So strangely, uh, we have a hard time finishing what we start. And as we turn to our passage today, Paul is writing to the Corinthians, and he is thankful and he is hopeful. He could see how God has started this work in them, and he's continuing to work in them in the present, and he will be faithful to sustain them all the way to the end. Like runners in a race, Paul knew there there would be hurdles along the way. He knew that. But in the end, they would finish. As saints together, they would follow Jesus to the end. And so let's look at 1 Corinthians 1, uh, verses 4 to 9. This is the word of God. by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So one main point that I want to bring out today, and and that is this. We will finish because God is faithful. We will finish because God is faithful. That's Paul's point, and he frames this passage with thanksgiving for the past, present, and future work of God in their lives. We could think of it as the start and the middle and the finish of our race as Christians. And so let's look at the start. Look at verse four again with me. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. Notice right out of the gate, Paul is thanking God for beginning this work of grace in their lives. In fact, the start of this entire letter is God-centered. It is Christ-centered. If you've got a journal with you, you're taking notes, you might want to just circle all the times you see God's name and Christ's name in these opening verses. Verses 1 to 9, I counted 16 times. God's name and Christ's name is mentioned. And that tells us something. That tells us something. Number one, Paul is thankful. He is thankful for God's grace. And number two, he wants them to be humbled. He wants the Corinthians to be humbled, so he's thankful and he wants them to be humbled. The Corinthians were prone to pride, as we'll see in the coming weeks, and so Paul is not so subtly reminding them that this all started with God. This all started with God. Their spiritual lives are owing to God and his grace in Christ Jesus, and so he's boasting not about them. And their gifts and their strengths and their greatness. No, he's letting them know this is all about God. He's boasting in God and his grace in their lives. And they ought to be thankful and humble for what God has given to them. Elsewhere in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, these are familiar verses. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one can boast, it is not by your works that you are saved. It is by his grace alone, so that no one would boast in themselves. This is all a gift of God's grace. In Titus chapter 3, Paul writes this again, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness. Notice, it's not about us. It's not about our own righteousness. No, but according to his own mercy. Not by works, but by his mercy, by the regeneration, the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. And so you might ask, what is this regeneration he's talking about? Well, once you had no spiritual life. You and I were dead in our sins. And he revived us. This is what it means to be born again, right? This is our conversion. We were once without spiritual life, and now we're spiritually alive. And that ought to make us thankful. That ought to humble us, what God has done for us and in us. And yet I'm afraid some of us here could care less. We're not very thankful, nor are we humbled, because we're not spiritually alive yet, Some of you, you think you're running as a Christian, but you're not yet born again. You're just going through the motions because you've had no real conversion. You've had an inoculation, not a conversion. We're coming up on flu season. Some of you will get your flu shot. And you get that flu shot hoping that you'll be immune to influenza, right? that you'll be safe and protected from it. Some of you have been inoculated with the gospel or inoculated to the gospel and to Jesus himself. So you've you've grown up right in the church and your parents were faithful to bring you to church. You were baptized as a baby. And you kept doing what was required, right? You were doing the checklist for God. Confirmation came kind of like a booster shot. Um, just to make sure you're okay. And throughout your life, you've then been inoculated. So this message of Jesus Christ and how he's been crucified and risen again, and he died on the cross for you, taking your punishment for your sins, and he's calling you to repentance and to faith in Jesus, well, you're like, I've already, I've already done all that, right? And you're inoculated. Like, I'm fine. I'm okay. I've done what I needed to do in the past. Like, Just settle down, pastor. I'm I'm okay. And you have yet to see how sick you are in your sin. You have yet to come to the place where you have traded your works for Christ's work for you. Your righteousness, your filthy rags of your own righteousness for Christ's white robe of righteousness that only he can give to you. So I'm calling out to you today, if you're resonating with that, listen, you don't have to get your act together today. It's you coming simply humbly to Jesus and saying, I'm a sinner, and I know Christ died for me on the cross, and I've been inoculated. I've, I've felt like I'm fine, but I'm still sick inside with guilt. I'm guilt-ridden, and I need to come to you for the very first time just as I am and give my life to you, King Jesus. And he can save you right now, right in your seat by you just relying on him. And so so Paul is trying to make the point here, right from from the start, this is all of God's grace on your life. That is why you're running this race. It's not about you. It's not about your work. It's his work on your behalf. This is the grace of Jesus, and we come to him casting ourselves upon Christ. That's the beginning of the race. That's how we continue the race. We start with grace, we continue with grace, and we finish by his grace alone. And so, Paul's thankful for what God has done for them in Christ. God began the work, so God receives all the glory. But it's not just what he did for you. It's what he's doing in you that shows you're running the race as a real Christian. Look at verses 5 to 7. That in every way you were enriched in him, in all speech, in all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you can picture this as the middle of the race here. And again, it must not be overstated. Paul knew this church had its share of problems. We're going to see in subsequent chapters. They were a prideful bunch, even taking credit for their own gifts And boasting in particular in their speech and in their knowledge. But instead of correcting them, Paul is encouraging them. He's pointing out evidences of God's grace in them. They've been showered with gifts of grace. And I want to just pause and say this to you, brothers and sisters, I am so thankful for the evidences of grace I see in you. I mean, as we have started off this new fall season together, I'm always amazed at the kickoff. Some of you guys were here. You were serving our community um, as as people were flooding into our our church, and you were uh, just waiting to to welcome them and to love them and to meet their needs. Even this little situation out front that needed medical attention, just people were just swooping right in to help and to to care for this individual that was in need, and just a microcosm of how this body is working together by the grace of God, using our gifts, right, that are unique to one another, all for him and his name's sake. So I love that. I see evidences of God's grace in you. And every gift is evidence of God's grace in your life. He started the work in the past, and he'll continue the work in the present. It's all of his grace. It's all a gift. 1 Corinthians 4, 7, Paul writes this, What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? That's a huge question I want to just think about for a minute. What do you have that you did not receive? Think about this in your life right now. If you've been gifted, like I'm talking about in all respects, all right? I'm talking about um, gifted uh, physically. Some of you who are athletes, you know, in this room, gifted by God. Gifted, some of you, uh, financially. Gifted, uh, spiritually. All of us as Christians have gifts to give and to offer. What do you have that you did not receive? In other words, he's saying, you have no room for pride. It's all a gift from God. What are you doing with that gift? You might say, well, I've worked really hard for my money to get to where I'm at today. Oh really? Who gave you the brain? Who gave you the heart that keeps beating to do what you're doing every day to make a living? God receives all the glory because He's the giver. He remains the giver. I think of the song that we sing from time to time, all I have is Christ. So Father, use my ransom life in any way you choose and let my song forever be. My only boast is you. My only boast that I have is you. Jesus, you're the only one that I can brag about because I have nothing in myself. It's not a gift from you. Look at verse five again. Paul just continues to elaborate this point. Verse five, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, enriched in him this imagery of wealth, something the city of Corinth valued, and so do we. So he's saying, hey, you're rich in Christ. Don't forget about that. He supplied everything that you have and everything that you need. Verse 7, he says, so that you are not lacking, not lacking in any gift or spiritual gift. There's some Disagreement about whether it's a spiritual gift or just the the gifts in general of God. I think it's both, right? God has given us every gift of grace, every spiritual gift. It's coming from him. So we celebrate what Christ has done for us and in us. Paul makes this same point in Ephesians 1, 3. He says something similar. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. If you are in Christ today, which means that you are a sincere follower of Jesus, you've been given every spiritual blessing that you need. He'll go on to talk about how you've been chosen by God before the foundation of the world, you've been adopted into his family, you've been accepted in the beloved. And you're forgiven of all of your sins that's in connection with Jesus Christ. You have been blessed. There is a fullness, a completeness, even a richness to being united to Jesus. Do you think of yourself that way this morning? That I'm enriched today because of Jesus. He supplied everything I need. I'm not lacking in anything. Every spiritual blessing is mine in Christ. Do you think that way? I think if we're honest, in the middle of the race, we can get a little weary. The race starts to get hard. Life gets hard. And we start to think, well, I'm not rich in Christ. I mean, look at me. I'm, I'm actually feeling pretty empty right now. Where are you, God, anyway? I mean, why aren't you helping me. Maybe I just need to stop running altogether. Maybe I just need to quit and throw in the towel. And guys, for so many, when the race stops being easy, you stop too. Right in the middle of the race. And I want to ask, what happened? You were running well. What happened? That's essentially what Paul says in Galatians 5, 7. He says, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying truth. In other words, what happened? Well, life happened, right? Some of you are saying, and I, and I get that. I'm not throwing any stones here at anyone today. Life gets hard. It gets messy. We slow down. We start to sputter. We start to fall back and fall behind. We can't seem to pick ourselves up. We can't seem to get back on track. And Paul says, you were running well. What happened? Literally, what cut in on you is what he's saying, what hindered you? And let me, let me just suggest three common hindrances that get in the way of us running. All right, here's the first one. The pull of this world. The pull of this world. Number two, the pressure to perform. The pressure to perform. And then number three, the pain of this life. The pain of this life. So the pull of the world, the pressure to perform, and the pain of this life. So first, the pull of this world. In Mark 4, 18 to 19, Uh, Jesus is giving us the parable of the soils. In Mark chapter 4, we have that up there. It's not there. Let me read it then. Mark 4, 18 and 19, he says, And others are the ones sown among the thorns, and they are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfaithful. So the imagery here is the seed has been sown, it's been planted, and yet... The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things are now choking out that seed so that it's not growing. And we can sometimes feel like that in our race as Christians. We don't, we don't get what we want from God right away, well, we're just going to turn to the world then. When we don't get instant results, right, we give in to Satan's lies, and Satan comes to us and says to us, I can be a better father than your heavenly father. I'll give you what you want right now. And it's candy poison. It'll kill you. will never satisfy you. And so quit being duped by Satan's deceitful schemes. Don't be pulled into the world. Some of you right now are feeling that pull all throughout the week. It's pulling you in, sweeping you in. Don't give in. The lies of this world. Number two, some of us have this snag, this hindrance, this pressure to perform. I think about in a race, and uh, Bryce, you were honest, and so I appreciate that, and I think this is going to help us. She, she said, This, what hinders you? I asked the question, What hinders you in the race? She said, Not relaxing, not staying calm, and not breathing well, letting too many distractions enter my mind instead of just focusing on the race. I think sometimes in our race as Christians, we put way too much pressure on ourselves to perform. We've been saved by grace, but now we're living by the law, right? We live based upon our performance for God. Like, I'm, I'm really struggling, so I'm going to do it better this day, God. I, I know I can get back up and, and do a better job here, and, and we're not breathing right. We're not, we're just running too tightly. We're not enjoying life as a child of God. You've been loved, Christian. There's grace for you. We need to accept our limitations and our humanity, and yet we do need to lay aside every weight. In Hebrews 12, verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily hinders us or clings so closely. So it's not just always an apparent sin in our lives. Sometimes there's these weights that keep us down. What is it right now that's hindering you from running the race? I'm praying the Holy Spirit just reveals that to you today. What's going on in your life right now that's distracting you? It's keeping your eyes off the finish line. What is it for you? I know what it is for me. Man, I focus way too much on myself still. I want to get my eyes off me and fix my eyes on Jesus. So the pull of this world, the pressure to perform, number three, the pain of this life, the pain of this life. And some of you can resonate with this in 1 Peter 1, 6-7. In this you rejoice, though so now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. God is going to bring into your life, if He hasn't already, He will bring purposeful, uncomfortable grace. He will bring trials into your life to shape you, to deepen your faith, and to refine your faith, sometimes to reveal what's really there, the substance of your faith. Trials have a way of refining us to show what's really there. Am I really following Christ? Or is it just really about me? As long as you give me some good stuff, I'll keep following you, but not this. I didn't sign up for this. Reveals. Exposes. Sometimes life is painful. It hurts, and it doesn't let up, and we start running out of gas. We fall back. We fall down. We fall behind, unable to get back up. There's a picture here of Bryce uh, where she was laid out and uh, needing some air, right, needing some help, and some of you might feel like that today spiritually. Like, I don't, I don't know if I can keep running the race. Like, I just feel like right now I can't get my breath. I'm just... I need help. And guys, what you do in that moment, what, what you do right there, how you respond, means all the difference in the world. It means all the difference in the world. And what I see so many people trying to do when they get to that moment is what, what I call Monday morning motivation. It's pathetic. Here's what it looks like. Tomorrow morning, you're feeling it, aren't you? You're like, how am I going to get up And run. Maybe not physically, but spiritually. How am I gonna run this race? Well, I need to pull myself up. I need to put a big smile on my face, and I gotta get this inspirational quote, and maybe slap on another Bible verse, and I'm gonna be good to go. I've got this. I can do this. That's not Christianity. That's insanity. That's what that is. You keep living that way. If you're the decisive factor in your race, you're a goner. You will not make it. If it depends mainly on me and my effort and my strength and my positive attitude, I'm not going to make it to the end. In fact, I probably haven't even started the race because I'm still trusting in me and my strength and my abilities. So what do we do? How do we get back up and finish the race? Look at what Paul says in verses 8 to 9 as we come to the finish line. He says, as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end. Guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So Paul knew that if if God calls you, he is faithful to sustain you all the way to the end. So, what does it mean to be called? This is not the general call of God. This is the effectual call of God. In fact, uh, drop your eyes down to verses 23 and 24 of chapter 1. Paul says, But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. So Paul is preaching this message, Christ crucified. That sums up the gospel to both Jews and Gentiles. To the Jews, it's a stumbling block, to the Gentiles, it's folly. This is the general call of God that goes out to all people through the preaching of his word. It's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about verse 24. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. So among some of the Jews and among some of the Gentiles, there are people who are called effectually by God, awakened to trust in Jesus, born again to see that Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. And so listen, if you've been called by God, it will be like a ripple effect, a golden chain that cannot be broken. I love what Romans 8.30 says. We walked through Romans 8 together not too long ago. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. The ripple effect the golden chain that cannot be broken. God is faithful. That's what gave Paul confidence for these believers in Corinth. God is faithful. He will finish what he has started. If he's called you, he will glorify you one day in the end. Love what it says in Philippians 1.6, a parallel passage. Some of you know this by heart. And I am sure of this. He's sure of this. He's confident of this, that he... Jesus, who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He is sure of this. He is confident. Why? Because God is faithful. He began the work. He will continue and carry it on to completion. Again, we see in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 to 24. Where Paul writes, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. He will do this. He will sanctify you completely all the way to the end. He's going to do this. You can be confident in that. He will surely do it. He will sustain you to the end. We will finish Because God is faithful. You see, it's not your awesomeness. (laughs) It's not your awesomeness. It's God's faithfulness that will sustain you to the end. God is faithful, and yet we still need each other. Right? We still need each other in this as well. Verse 9 says again, God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship, the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The koinonia. This means shared life partnership and relationship. We have that with Jesus and we have that with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we need to care about one another and about the outcome of our faith. We don't just coast together to the finish line, but we say we we are saints together following Jesus all the way to the end. I'm in this with you. You're in this with me. We're praying for one another. love this picture here of Bryson. She's praying. What a great reminder that we must pray for one another to finish the race, to continue to be sustained all the way to the end. We need one another in this. Paul wasn't just like, you know what? You've been called. It's all good. You'll be glorified one day, so sit back and relax already. No, he was praying. In Philippians chapter one, verses nine and 10, we see this prayer of Paul. He says, it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may prove what's excellent and so may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. By the way, that's the day of Christ's return, the most important day for all of us. Are we ready for when Christ comes again? I wanna have that kind of tenacity and wrestling in prayer for others and to stay present in their lives. And so as we come to a close, as we near the finish line, Paul was nearing the finish line, and he, being in the apostle that he was, you would think he would just kind of rest and cruise into the finish line, but no. Paul ran hard all the way to the end. I asked Bryce this question, what's your mindset as you approach the finish line? Here's what she said. It's important to finish the race hard. As my coach says, empty the tank or to finish with nothing left. And I love that. Finish with nothing left. And she's actually simply echoing the words of the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy 4 verse 6 where Paul says, for I am already being poured out, emptied as a drink offering. The time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. The Christian life is a race, isn't it? It's a race. Some of you have just gotten started. But what matters most is how you finish. Bryce, uh, she said it this way. In this quote up here. At times, your Christian walk will be difficult. you experience hard times. You can't quit and give up. Just trust in the Lord and keep going, knowing he will be with you to the end. We will finish because God is faithful. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful that you are faithful to us. Thank you that you began the work and you will finish the work And we pray that we would be humbled as we consider the grace that you've had upon us through Christ, we would receive that by faith, and that we would continue this race, whether we feel like right now we're being pulled by the world, feel the pressure in this life to perform, or the pain of this life, God, you would help us to get back up onto our feet by your grace and by your faithfulness. And run hard all the way to the end. To the prize that you have called us heavenward in Christ Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.